Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be hearing from Adam Inks to Tidbits and Take Control Books. We'll also be hearing from Rob Pegarero, a columnist who writes for Yahoo Tech and USA Today, with lots and lots of stuff to talk about on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books with us, and we'll be talking about Apple's situation, about all the gloom and doom prognostications you're seeing, but I'm going to ask him first about WhatsApp. And I haven't used WhatsApp before, and I know that Facebook paid humongous amounts of money for it. So before we go on, why is WhatsApp worth so much? Multi-billions of dollars. Well, what I do know about WhatsApp is that it's billions of users, if not billions, certainly hundreds of millions. But what Facebook is trying to do is get into the messaging space. So people use Facebook, and Facebook has Facebook Messenger and whatnot, but they don't think of it as the tool that you use to chat with people. And WhatsApp, particularly internationally, has become huge for that. And so that was presumably why Facebook decided it was worth however many billions of dollars they spent to acquire the company. So I look at chat and Facebook as just something that goes along with the package. It's like a poor stepchild. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things where I think all of these companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, are all really seeing that they need to be uh, holding on to their customers, to their users, as much as possible. And so by adding new features that maybe even compete directly with one of these other big companies, that's something they can do. I mean, Amazon just introduced uh, Amazon Prime Video Direct, which is pretty direct competitor with YouTube, for instance. And it's the same thing. They all want to get into each other's space because they don't want to have their users popping off to some other company. Okay, so let's take a look at WhatsApp. They came out with version for desktop computers, Windows and OS ten, And I set it up. And I have to tell you what's weird, because what happens here is evidently it links to your iPhone hmm. or your portable device. You have to keep your phone connected, it says. WhatsApp web connects to your phone to sync messages. Okay, to reduce data usage, connect your phone to Wi-Fi. Now, I don't know, that's weird. So it's kind of like an Apple Watch, where an Apple Watch, where some of the apps or most of the apps for the Apple Watch were run off your iPhone, and you had to sync them. So here it's using your iPhone to sync messages, and I assume your Android phone. That's step two. Step one was, before I could do that, to set it up, no instructions, whatever. I just see a QR code, and it says, huh. go and have your phone scan it. But you have to look at directions to see what is involved. You have to use the web settings to scan it in order to connect it. It sounds like the Mac app is very minimal, and they're basically feeding it through other sources. And so that's why they're probably doing it that way. The other possibility is that most WhatsApp users would be used to using it with, entirely with their phone and so would think of that as very much the sort of the standard way to go about it. <laughs> I, you know, how many people even use QR codes? I know there's a local Indian restaurant that has it, and I asked them, hey, has anyone actually scanned this? And they looked at me and said, what? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, QR codes are one of those things which are the main place I see them actually used, honestly, is in two-factor authentication setup mechanisms. So if you set up two-factor authentication with Google or um, a number of other companies, you'll scan a QR code on the screen with your phone as a way of loading that code into the app. That said, they don't appear to have caught on in a big way in the U.S. otherwise. I just wonder how many chat programs somebody needs. I mean, you've got the Facebook chat. And it used to be once upon a time compatible with Apple's messages because they used the Jabber chat protocol. And they stopped using Jabber without a pre-announcement. Maybe the announcement was buried somewhere. And so one day it doesn't work anymore. I can't log in. Why? What what do they think they're doing? Don't they want to make it easy for people? Uh, they do, but it's I mean Apple's approach is that you should just use iMessage. iMessage will just work. You know, all the old stuff is still in messages, but as you're finding out works worse and worse over time. I think the problem with chat is that it's both the benefit and the and the curse of the network effect. So in other words, you know, I use Google Hangouts to chat with two people. There are two people I know who that's what they use. They are not interested or capable of using anything else. And so if I wish to chat with those people, I have to use Google Hangouts. Similarly, you know, I know people who only use AIM. That's gotten less and less over time. But if you wish to communicate with someone who is limited, you're going to go to where they are. And so you end up in this situation where you kind of need to be able to use all these possibilities. It's not a good thing. Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp just add more to it. But it's not something that I see any way of avoiding for at least the near future. All right, let's look at this here, for example. How does WhatsApp earn money for Facebook. (laughs) How is it monetized? It's not for now. I believe Facebook has even said that it doesn't have any near-term plans to add advertising to WhatsApp. Facebook has actually been doing very well with its advertising uh, in the last fiscal quarter when Apple and Google and Twitter and a bunch of other tech companies suffered from the general global economic downturn and other, other factors. Facebook was actually up. Facebook did well that quarter. So I don't think Facebook is likely to even try to monetize WhatsApp users in a specific way. It may try to encourage them to visit Facebook more and to use Facebook more where it will be able to show them more ads. All right. So I looked up the price. Google bought WhatsApp for $19 billion. Ouch. It's a lot of money. Yeah, but you see, maybe I am stupid, which some people will agree. But I think one integrated chatting app ought to be all you need, and it should link to all these services. As soon as you have separate services and you have to run separate chats, it gets confusing. So right now, I have Apple's messages. And that's where I get most messages because it still supports the original AOL AIM format. Okay. Then I have a messenger kind of app for Facebook. Not Facebook's on my Mac, but somebody else's app. And then I'm trying WhatsApp, which uses your Facebook ID, if you want. And I'm thinking that's three so far. The other thing about (laughs) Apple's messages, it also supports the SMS messages from your wireless phone, from your iPhone. 
but I'm still really confused here. It's as a there's no good way around it. None of the companies see it as their problem to help users talk to people on other platforms that they don't see a win in that. They're all big enough that, if anything, they want to make it harder for people to do that so that people say, oh, this is just too much trouble to use anything else. I'm just going to stick to Facebook Messenger. And so Facebook, you know, if they can get someone to do that, then that's a big win for them. Apple's doing exactly the same thing with iMessage. Google's doing the same thing with Google Hangouts, et cetera, et cetera. This is beyond anyone's can to figure out why this is done. I could see if there was a major way of monetizing these services. It's not about monetizing them individually. It's it's kind of what I was saying earlier about how these companies see their ways of competing as bringing those users into the fold for more of the day, for more of the things that they do. So if they're using one app, they'll look at other services and maybe perhaps see ads or whatever is going on. We're trying to figure out how to monetize WhatsApp. I guess they ought to figure out how to monetize Twitter. They're not doing very good. (laughs) We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Hive. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shot for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. 
This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step 1. Stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything. Your home, your car, even your life savings. Step 2. Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-941-5257. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-941-5257. Step 3. Congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-941-5257. That's 1-800-941-5257. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill. Only at Slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have a special version of the show available through Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. What's it do? Well, it's very simple what it does. What it does is we give you a version free of network ads. We give you a version that sounds better. All this for a low monthly, annual, five-year, or even a lifetime subscription fee, plus.technightowl.com. With Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books, we're talking about WhatsApp for the Mac and the very strange way it works, which means it pairs with your iPhone to work, and I suppose with your Android phone, and about how they monetize these services by confusing the customer. They want to get you into their ecosystems, but it also means that you're stuck with a situation where you may have three or four chat apps, depending on who you want to talk to. You've got to use one or the other. And you can have a situation where you have chats in multiple places. Yep. And that may not be such a big deal on a Mac or a PC, but on a smartphone, yes. Well, I mean, it, again, it's one of those things where in a smartphone, it may actually almost be better because you're not going to think 
it's not going to be any easier to chat with multiple people in one app than to have just another app as long as it kind of pops up appropriately when someone pings you there. But again, we can see this other places too. So, for instance, we could do a, an internet call via Skype, via Google Hangouts, via FaceTime audio. You know, I could do it in Slack if, if we were on a Slack team. So, there's all sorts of possibilities. None of them are compatible. Um, there's no one app you can use to do that. It just is yet another situation where you have to make a choice for what you're going to primarily use, and then go constantly negotiate with everyone that you want to communicate with. That's the question. Do you use Skype? Do you use Google Hangouts? And the same thing with chat. Do you use iMessage? Do you use Facebook? And you know, you're going to have to meet people who are less capable of being flexible than you are. So basically, they make it more and more confusing. Now, as a comparison for this, in the early days, back in the early 90s, you're writing the Internet Starter Kit. <laughs> what did we chat with then as a perspective, say, 23 years ago, 24 years ago? The main thing back then was Internet Relay Chat, uh, which was a kind of decentralized system where there was no one company in charge of it and there were lots of apps that could be clients. It was much more like email. So you could get onto IRC using a wide variety of, of, of programs and you could pick and choose which one you liked the best. So it was also a mess. It was a mess, but it, you could do, I mean, and not that obviously you can do that much in most of these chat apps, but because IRC was pretty constrained in what you could do, which app you chose was just like what email program you chose. You picked it based on which one you liked the best. It wasn't a matter of it being easier or harder for anyone else based on what you did. They were just logging into IRC and had no idea what program you were using. I mean, this is very much the way the internet used to be, where every service was available to everyone, as opposed to in, you know companies coming up with their own proprietary system and then locking it down to only their users. Now, as a, as a means of comparison here, when we look at things like that, with email, you can use a number of different email clients to access your Gmail, your Yahoo Mail, your iCloud Mail, your Outlook Mail, and any of thousands, millions of other email accounts. They're all following a unified standard. Yeah, Email basically has been one place where all attempts to make that proprietary have more or less failed. And part of the reason for that is that email is simply too widespread, too ubiquitous, and you you know, you could never manage to communicate with someone if you had to find out, you know, what email service they used. And, you know, and as I said, it just started, it started as something that was, that was too, um, too broadly distributed uh, for companies to do that. Now, if you go way back to CompuServe, eWorld, AOL, those services started out as proprietary locked-down systems. And if you wanted to communicate with those people, you had to have an account on those systems. And that was very much kind of like the way it is now. The problem that ran into was that people weren't going to be able to get accounts on those systems reliably. And so they ended up making gateways so that you could send email from AOL to CompuServe through the Internet, for instance. Now, this is something I remember. It was such a big deal. 
Oh my heavens, we can now communicate with our AOL email to anyone else. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and then later on, it was possible with AOL to use somebody else's email app. It was an IMAP formatted mm -hmm. service. They allowed for that. But the thing is with AOL, I still have the AOL account from the late 80s, okay? It's still one name, a single name without numbers. And you know what it is, ladies and gentlemen, by my inference. I'm one of the few people who has an account like that. But just consider this here. If I want to auto-forward those messages to another account, I can do the reverse. I can access email from AOL, from other accounts. But there's no auto-forward for your AOL email, or at least there wasn't, last I checked. Yep. AOL is definitely one of those ones that um, those people who are still using it uh, are a little bit stuck. Um, one thing that is important to note is that if you are still using AOL, you should not be paying AOL for that email address. It is, it is now free to have. Some people uh, still have those monthly charges going. So if, you, that fall, that, if that's you, uh, call AOL and get them to stop. Yes, there are... Still, some people, I guess a couple of million, using dial-up accounts because they live somewhere where they don't have broadband. Believe it or not, there are millions of Americans. And this isn't even broadband. This isn't even dial-up accounts. This is people who are not using AOL for connectivity but are still paying for the email account. No, I so, understand that. Yeah. But I'm talking oh, about yeah, the yeah. fact There's that there are, people, there are people who still have to use it for dial-up because they do not have internet where they live. And that's one of the promises, I think, where people have been cheated by not having that. I don't mean that you live in a neighborhood that hasn't gone gigabit internet yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 56K, if you're very lucky. A <laughs> uh, long time ago for most people, oh, thankfully. Yes, they sure are. All right. So that's what that is. But let's look now at the latest news for the last couple of weeks. It's been all about Apple, all about Apple reporting lower sales, even lower than Wall Street expected, although well within Apple's guidance. And that's something I was talking to about with several other people, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer being one, where he says it doesn't matter whether Wall Street's numbers are realistic or not. Those are the numbers and that's what investors are going to look for, no matter what the truth is. we got more to talk about on that subject and more with Adam Inkst. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. 
I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507-800-478-1507-800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. So looking at that, Wall Street can say Apple's going to sell 100 million iPhones this quarter. They sell 50 million within their guidance or above it. But Wall Street's numbers are the ones that count. Why is that? 
Well, my understanding is that most of Wall Street's numbers are, in fact, based on Apple's guidance, which puts a little bit of a lie to Wall Street analysts doing much of anything at all, other than just kind of passing on what Apple has said. They sometimes go above. Yeah, they sometimes go. Yeah, they sometimes differ. But it's one of those things where, I don't know, it's a situation where the entire point of buying stock in a company is that you believe that the company will earn money in the future. And the way that sort of Wall Street analysts and quarterly results and all of that goes doesn't really play into kind of the classic approach to owning a company. I mean, when you own stock in a company, you are an owner of the company. And that gets lost in the short-term quarterly ups and downs. Did you meet this exact target or that target? Whether or not the analysts can base their information on anything that is somehow more accurate than the company is going to provide for guidance seems dubious to me. I mean, maybe the company would be overly optimistic and the, and the analyst would say, no, 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 we don't think they're going to make it, and that would be useful. But, uh, but certainly, if the analysts are, are more optimistic than the company and the company's like, yeah, I, don't, I really don't think we're going to sell $100 million. We said we were going to sell 50 and we sold 50 then anyone who's listening to those analysts is really doing themselves a disfavor. Well, I think that's another problem, too. You have these so-called industry analysts, and sometimes you have firms like Gartner or IDC, and they give you estimates of current sales, possible future trends. And when it comes to future trends, do you hear this IDC? You can be dead wrong, like suggesting that by 2015 or so, Windows Phone would be number two ahead of Apple. (laughs) Dead, dead wrong. And it's like a Donald Trump lie of the week or the minute, which is what he does. They're not called out on it. I mean, these companies are making money selling their services to the industry. And they're very wrong very often. All I can think is, is that there isn't enough of a feedback loop. That the people who actually are buying those services are not provide, you know, not uh, looking hard enough at the actual results. I mean, it's bad enough if you're a weather forecaster. You know, you get it wrong, then, uh, you know, they, it's not like they, you get it wrong a lot and not like they fire you for being a bad weather forecaster because, well, it's the weather, who knows? But in a case like this where you're saying, oh, you know, this is going to be true of Apple and then it's totally not, you'd think that'd come back to hurt them at some point, but maybe not so much. Well, of course, we have people who are paid by other companies like a Rob Enderly, who's almost invariably tragically wrong, and he's still quoted. It's like the mainstream media doesn't know about this. They say, oh, he's a guy with credentials in the tech industry. We've got to believe him. Yeah. Well, certainly that's the mainstream media is a different problem. I mean, the mainstream media is looking for controversy. They're looking for drama. And so, you know, if Apple reports lower than expected revenues and actually a revenue drop from the previous year, that's as good as they can get in terms of drama. Now, if it happens to Samsung, it's not as important. But Apple, oh my. Samsung's not a U.S. company. Who cares? Of course. Well, (laughs) yeah, but we're all told that Samsung is is kicking Apple's you-know-what. 
Yeah, again, that's ginned up controversy for the sake of, sake of making it a, a, a you know a, a horse race. You know that so much of this stuff is just ridiculous. I mean, hell, it's I mean, same true in the politics too, where everything has to be a horse race. That it's not. It doesn't matter what's actually happening. It matters whether or not A is ahead of B or B is ahead of A. And that's what media does because that's what people who don't know anything can understand. And I frankly think it's, you know, lame on the part of the media. It's, it's, it's cheap and easy. And, and it's, you know, it doesn't do anyone any, any, any good to, uh, to buy into that kind of a, a, a worldview. Okay, so let's take a look at Apple. There's another report from IDC just taking out notebook sales from Mac sales. Now, just to put things into perspective, that's an estimate. Apple doesn't break down those sales. They're just guessing, right? Um, they actually may break out um, laptops. I forget. There, there, are some, there are some product sectors they do break out, but I haven't looked at that specifically in this quarter. I didn't see it for notebooks. Mac sales tend to be one figure. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone will find it. Regardless, regardless here, is that an issue Apple needs to address? Why are fewer people buying Mac notebooks? Because they haven't really been updated that much in recent years other than the new MacBook? Yeah, I I think that there's a a situation. It may, in fact, be notebook sales or laptop sales were increasing and increasing and increasing and significantly doing better than desktop sales for quite a while. And it's possible that the iPad has actually gotten sufficiently good for productivity that a number of people are saying, oh, I really don't need a laptop now. And so it's going to hurt laptop sales, but not desktop sales, because, you know, even a 12.9-inch iPad Pro is nothing compared to a 27-inch iMac in terms of screen real estate. But uh, that said, you know, compared to an 11-inch MacBook Air or a 13-inch MacBook Pro, that iPad Pro is is you know not not hampering you in in significant ways as long as the things you need to do are possible on it. So so iPad popularity may hurt MacBook sales, and then I I guess I do agree a little bit that Apple has really not done much in the MacBook world of late other than the 12-inch MacBook, which is a rather constrained computer for a lot of people thanks to its one USB-C port. I've been thinking about this with a MacBook. Has anyone done a survey with people indicating whether they need all those extra ports? Because I'm looking at my use case, which, of course, can be totally unlike anyone else. I don't think it is. Back in the 90s, when I had a PowerBook, I take everything with me. Backup drives. All my backup drives. <laughs> I take the notebook with me. I take a portable printer. I had to recreate my office. And then somewhere along the line, I said, you know, I don't need to do this. Forget the printer. I'll take one tiny backup drive. And now I have a MacBook Pro or something. And that's how I travel. As far as plugging things in, other than a microphone, that's it. So the new MacBook 
performs fairly close to last year's MacBook Air, which means decent for most people. It's got a great screen. I guess the keyboard with the limited travel keys is a something you have to get used to. Whatever. That seems to be really a smart move from Apple because it addresses the way most people really are going to use their computers on the road. I think that there's a significant difference between how people do use their computers and how they think they might. So, for instance, you know, when I travel, I have a MacBook Air and, you know, I don't actually plug much into it. But what I find myself doing is I have two laptop bags, actually. I have one that I use around town. So if I'm going to a meeting, going to a meeting tonight, and I'll bring my laptop, and I will just, it's a very small bag that doesn't have room for anything else. I won't even bring the power adapter. Battery life is totally fine for this meeting. I can just slip the laptop into the bag and go. However, if I'm going on a trip, I have my big bag. Let's talk about the big bag. <laughs> the big in, bag. In our next segment with Adam Inkst, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. 
Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Do you have dry hands or itchy, peeling skin? Are your cracked feet in need of a makeover for sandal season? Hi, my name is Diane Cook, the creator of B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream. B-Spa is all-natural, 16% beeswax, marigold extract, and other essential oils and nutrients. B-Spa is great for exceptionally dry hands and feet, but B-Spa can be used anywhere on the body. I am sure you will see a difference overnight. B-Spa is the only cream you will ever need. The convenient 2.5 ounce size jar travels nicely and a little goes a long way. B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream costs $29.99. Use promotion code 101 for free shipping. Order B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream today at bspa.com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So when Adam travels, it's not the small bag where it's just the notebook and not much else. It is the big bag. What about the big bag? The big bag is the one that, you know, has the big shoulder strap and has pockets for everything I could possibly need. And it has, you know, the zippered pocket where I keep every video dongle I might need. It has the, you know, the USB Ethernet adapter. It has the cable for the power adapter so that I can plug it in six feet away rather than just using the brick in the wall. It has... USB hubs and, um, you know, extenders so I can charge more devices from it. It's sort of outfitted with everything I might need. And do I almost ever need those things? No, but I still bring them every time. And that's kind of the way I see people as being perturbed about the MacBook, 12-inch MacBook, is they think, well, it would be fine for most everything, But what about that time, you know, and I'll remember three or four years ago when they needed to pull out this and pull out that and connect to this strange thing they hadn't anticipated. And because they had the MacBook Pro, it was all possible. So it's basically preparing for a worst case situation. Yeah, because when you're on the road, you don't have the flexibility. So, you know, when I'm home, you know, I have vast amounts of hardware and peripherals and adapters and basically anything I could want to do, I can do. But as soon as I go on the road, I'm really, really limited in what I have available. And I think that that's a situation where if you travel sufficiently and have run into those kinds of situations enough times, 
you'll be hesitant to commit to the MacBook. And the, keep in mind, there are other issues with it too. So the screen's beautiful, it's a retina screen, but you know, as you say, the keyboard may turn some people off. The CPU speed may turn some people off. That if you're doing stuff that really does require some more processing power, a 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina Display isn't that much more expensive. Barely more expensive, and it's just heavier. It's got a better keyboard, screens, screen, you know, better keyboard, bigger screen, uh, more processing power, more storage. It's everything is better. And the price, I'd have to look at it, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it's, it's within a couple hundred dollars. So, you know, you really are in a situation where then to look at that MacBook and say, well, why am I buying this? Well, because having it be as small as possible is the key feature. That's the real reason. So if you can give up a pound or two, it doesn't matter. But now just look at this a little bit further here. Maybe if it was $10.99 or $11.99, it'd be more compelling. Maybe it would be more compelling if Apple came out with a version that is 15 inches. Yeah, I don't know if a, you know $100 here and there is going to make that much of a difference. It feels to me like the entire line is kind of confused right now. That one of the things that Apple has done better and worse at at different times in its history is had clear demarcations between different models. And so, for instance, the MacBook Air line and the MacBook Pro line were pretty different. The MacBook Air line was less powerful, much smaller, much lighter, and quite a bit cheaper. The MacBook Pro line, you weren't making any 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 real compromises. So the MacBook gets tossed in the middle of this and it's it's small like the MacBook Air, but it's got a great screen like the Retina MacBook Pro. And you know, and it's you know it's underpowered like the MacBook Air, but it's expensive like the MacBook Pro. So it makes a lot of those kind of difficult decisions of what is most important to you hard to kind of sort out. You know, I was a little surprised, honestly, that when Apple revved the MacBook 12-inch MacBook recently, they didn't do anything else. They just they just speed bumped it slightly, and I think they made the minimum, you know, made it so that it had to have a eight eight gig of RAM. No, that was the MacBook Air that had eight gig of RAM. But in any event, it was it was one of those one of those situations where they didn't clarify the decisions. They didn't make the decisions easier for customers in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so if Adam Inks is sitting there with Jonathan Ive. And they're working together to come up with a proper notebook line from Apple. What do they do? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. What I don't know is if the constraints on the MacBook, MacBook really are forcing that price to be high. And what of those constraints are. So, for instance, I think what I would probably do is I would probably focus the low end of the product line on the MacBook, drop the MacBook Air, and try to get the price down on the MacBook. And maybe that requires having a 12-inch MacBook that does not have a retina screen. Maybe the retina screen is what's forcing that price to be high. I don't know. And But try very much to, to do that. The other thing I would do, frankly, is I'd put in a second USB-C port. Just having two would make things a lot easier for people and would 
probably not be that hard to deal with in terms of uh, industrial design. If you look at uh, Google, the Google's uh, Chromebook Pixel 2, it has two USB-C ports, and even if it's not really a difference, it gives people that peace of mind that they're going to be able to charge and plug in their backup drive at the same time without having this extra adapter that they have to buy and remember and carry around. Well, I think that's a big issue there. You eliminate the dongles. That could be very significant. Yeah. And it is one of those situations where if you're kind of a road warrior, you're going to have dongles because you're going to need to be connecting to all these different monitors and things like that. There's just no way around it. Uh, But maybe there's a, uh, you know, maybe there's a way that, you know, just by having that second port, you can reduce it enough for enough people that they do not feel as though the MacBook is is a compromise. Has there been a survey conducted anywhere about (laughs) how people perceive this? Not that I know of. Um, it's an interesting question. And, you know, I'm sure I, Apple knows. I would, well, I would like to think that they do. Um, it's hard to tell because, I don't know, back in the day, if Mac users started getting a, getting a survey from Apple's asking questions, that would, you'd, you'd hear about it in the media. They'd tell people. And I don't, I don't hear it at that anymore. You know, maybe it's all just done via via phone calls or, you know, completely, you know, done in ways that are not tra- trackable to Apple or something like that. But it does feel a little odd. And, um, you know, and I also don't get, you, know, you don't hear Apple say in keynotes, well, when we surveyed our customer base, 30% of people said they really don't use more than one USB-C port. You, you know, they don't ever say that. So it's hard to know if that decision is based on data or is based on belief. And, you know, we can certainly, we can certainly hope that Apple's basing all their decisions on data, but uh, um, I don't know that that is necessarily the case. So right now your favorite Mac notebook is a MacBook Air then? Yeah, I'm using, a, actually it's a quite old, I think it's a 2012 uh, 13-inch MacBook Air. And... I don't travel very much, so for me, a MacBook Pro, much as I personally think like the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina Display is my kind of ideal MacBook um, for most things, it's not really worth worth it to me to get the better screen and have a little bit, a little bit more weight um, given how little I travel. That said... I do think the weight is often a bit of a misnomer because, you know, as I said, when I travel, I have the big bag. The big bag isn't light. I did a Tidbits article on this some years ago where I actually weighed everything in my bag. And I think the bag, you know, like a fully loaded, the bag weighted, weighed like 13 pounds or something. And, you know, the, the, the computer was a relatively small part of that. You know, it's not, uh, you know, there's just, it's all the other stuff that you got to carry around. And so, you know, yeah, sure, it's nice to have a lighter computer, but it wasn't, it wasn't really the, uh, the the key factor in the, in the weight of the whole thing. I understand your point and I kind of agree with you in terms of the weight, although I have a 17 inch MacBook Pro from 2010 that weighs six and a half pounds, give or take. So that is heavy. So it's, 
you know, basically three pounds more than lots of notebooks I could get. And that three pounds can start digging into your shoulder. Yeah. After a while. Let's dig this, folks, and then have more with Adam Inkst on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack. Focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar, find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking here about the ideal notebooks, and I'm sure Apple has to realize this. But lately, all they've been doing other than the MacBook is just to swap processors. Then again, what about Windows notebooks? They're not really doing anything new or special. Just maybe more of them can be used as touchscreens. Yeah, I haven't paid a lot of attention to that world. Um, you know, the, the Chromebooks that Google has made, the Pixels, are awfully nicely designed. Uh, there's nothing super innovative about them other than the touchscreen. It's a beautiful retina screen and it's a touchscreen. But the industrial design is nice. What I think you do see a little bit more is just the variety. So, you know, you see the, like the Surface Pro that, that Microsoft puts out that, uh, you know, is sort of a convertible tablet slash, uh, slash laptop. You'll see really honking high-end powerful laptops 
actually largely for gamers. They're not trying to be small or or portable or anything like that. They're, they want to be just as powerful and, and capable as possible so that you can play these, these serious games on them. And so I think that there are people who are going to the Windows world or even as a, even a Chromebook where because they don't really do anything other than web-based stuff because they're looking for some differences in industrial design. It is a little telling, I think, that Apple has has stayed focused on the existing MacBook Air, really on the low end, and you know, and then moving to the iPad if you want something different. Near the twain shall meet, though the iPad Pro gets you a little bit closer. I've been using, with review samples from Apple, they actually gave me some, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro that mm-hmm. just came out, and the 12.9-inch version from last year. And I have to tell you here that... They seem all right, but the keyboards, to me, really don't feel that good. The 12.9-inch smart keyboard, its major problem is the fact that, with me, I kept missing the space bar. (laughs) Now, with the keyboard on the 9.7-inch version, the smart keyboard, all right, it's smaller, obviously, but I didn't miss the space bar. I kept typing properly. Maybe that's me. I had to get used to it. I'm used to the Laptop Pro from Matthias mm-hmm. with long key travel, traditional <laughs> switches, that kind of thing. All right. The thing is here, I've tried a lot of these so-called tablet keyboards, and I don't know of any that really feel like a proper keyboard. You? I haven't tried many of them, but certainly the ones I have tried, no, they, they haven't they haven't impressed me. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where People have different opinions about how important their keyboard is. And, you know, if you aren't a writer, you don't spend all, all your day on a keyboard, you might not care that much. You just might not be that big a deal. And so that's one aspect of it. And then I think the other aspect of it is that compared to an iPhone or typing on the screen, it's pretty good no matter what you do. <laughs> so, um, you know, any keyboard is going to be a win in that regard. So it's the lesser of two evil syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Can't imagine why Apple can't craft most of the feel of a traditional magic keyboard in one of those things. I mean, they're certainly aware of it, and, you know, Apple generally does a pretty good job with keyboards, but they've been pushing harder and harder to have things be as thin as possible, and that's really something that, at some point, you're just going to change the feel. There's going to be no way to actually have the feel you want in, in that kind of a package. So, the quest for thin, thinner is what's bringing it down. Yeah. Yep. And I guess one of the one of the things that has been a little frustrating with Apple's industrial design over the past number of years is that thin seems to be the key design goal. I mean, even look at the iMac for instance. You know, who cares how thick it is? You're not looking at the side of it. You're looking at the front of it. And right. Yet- and this is crazy here. So you've got yeah. The thing is bulbous in the center because that's where you have all the hardware. But the edges, it's very thin. As a consequence, you need to take it apart. It's done with adhesives. It was bad enough the previous version you needed suction cups to separate the display. Now, obviously, people will not be doing that. 
on the larger iMac, replacing RAM takes two minutes flat. But most people are not going to be opening that thing to add a drive. That's more the province of the service technician. Still, yeah. what's going on here? As I said, you know, it's it's uh, it's a choice, and Apple's making a specific a specific choice, and you know, it's not. You know, it's not horrible. It's just you know, it has certain certain implications that are not always what we would what we would like. Um, you know, the, as I did, like the thinness of the iMac for the most part doesn't bother me. Um, you know, the thinness of the keyboards if the keyboard ceases to be feel good or be easy to type on because it's too thin, that does bother me more. It's, you know, that's form over function as opposed to form impacting function somewhat later on. But let's get back to the thing here. What does Apple do to make more people buy these things? They simplify the product line. They do a little of this or a little of that. Do people even care about that, about these changes? Would a MacBook Air with Retina display make a big difference? That's an interesting question. I think at some point, Apple needs to they need to keep up. So, in other words, for the most part, people are not going to be buying hardware based on how good the hardware is. They're going to be buying hardware based on what of the Mac options meet their needs or what of the Windows options meet their needs. But that at some point, if Apple doesn't, you know, that the MacBooks really fall behind in some way, then I think that could potentially impact sales. I don't personally see people buying outside their preferred platform hardly ever. You know, obviously there are switchers, but they make one purchase and then they're in a new platform and, and anything that they're going to do the next time will be in that new platform. Apple still claims that 50% of the people buying new Macs are new to the platform. Same claim. Yeah. And, I, and as I, that doesn't surprise me. But again, that may be true, but those people aren't then buying new Macs repeatedly afterwards, you would hope at that point that, that the number of Mac sales would just keep increasing because they would have been increasing the audience and then selling new computers to that audience over time. And that doesn't quite seem to be the case. People are keeping those computers longer. And Apple kind of helps the process because the operating system supports models from 2007 to 2009. So you can have a seven to nine year old Mac and run, depending on which model, of course, and run OS ten El Capitan. Yeah, you know, it is certainly true. You know, it's possible that, frankly, that Apple sees the Mac business as one where it needs to move forward, but it doesn't need to innovate in a huge way, simply because that's not where the company's major revenues come from. Nothing Apple can do will cause people to start buying iMacs over cell phones. I, you know, the iPhone is always going to outsell the iMac in huge, huge, huge ways. And so, you know, I think we'll see significantly more movement in the iPhone and iPad space hardware-wise in an iOS versus OS X because there's just so much more money there. 
that you know Apple's not going to give up the four billion dollars a quarter or whatever you know whatever it brings in from the max. And it's certainly not going to, to 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 walk away from that, but that doesn't mean that it's going to focus on, in the same kind of way on that market that it as it used to before the iPhone and iPad existed. What exists now is Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey there, Night Owl listeners. Are you frustrated by all those passwords you need to remember? Do you use the same password for multiple sites? Well, now there's a better way. RoboForm, an award-winning password manager that makes your life easier and more secure. With RoboForm, you'll never need to remember or type your passwords again. It's easy to use. It's completely secure. And best of all, listeners, you could use it free. Just go to RoboForm.com tech. That's RoboForm.com tech. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. When fresh liquid whey is processed into a dry powder, the special proteins that make up the whey lose their original shapes. They fold in on themselves and lose their functional value. One World Whey undergoes a technological enhancement that we believe restores these potent proteins back to their original shapes the body can use. I chose to try One World Whey first before going to a doctor who would likely only prescribe drugs. To my delight, it worked. After stabbing pain for years, to have it completely gone is a miracle. I'd like to also stress that, for me, it took several months of taking One World Way before I had improvement, and then an entire year for my gut to feel 100% healed. So now I tell my friends, give your body time to make use of the healing power of One World Way. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved 
loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So... I suppose then we could say Apple is suffering just as other PC companies are doing with the saturation in the market about the fact that the PCs last longer. Therefore, you're not going to be as inclined to buy a new one. And then hopefully Apple has major changes this year. So maybe they boost sales for a while until people tire of that and they have to go to the next great thing. But it's not going to be a big sales boost. What about iPhones? Is the smartphone market saturated? I read one survey, U.S. survey. Each U.S. household has an average of 2.4 smartphones. I don't know about that 0.4, but you get the picture. (laughs) And 2.8 TV sets. I'm the reverse, by the way. I have two iPhones and one TV, but that's me. But the point being here is that most everyone who wants a smartphone in the U.S., and probably this goes for other major industrialized countries has it. So how yeah, do you boost sales? But, but the beauty of smartphones is that they break, for one. They're lost. The I mean, obviously, it's a little bit less of it, less true now that you know most cell providers aren't doing the two-year contracts. But for quite a while, there was that built-in two-year itch. You know, after two years, you could get a new cell phone and it would be subsidized. And you just keep paying for it. And it was all kind of hidden from you so that it seemed like if you paid, you know, 200 bucks every two years, you'd get a new cell phone. That would be kind of neat. And that was good. If you're paying, you know, 600 bucks every two years for a new cell phone, you might be inclined to hold on to it a little longer. But as I said, it's still true that people really do go through their cell phones. They drop them. They break them. They just wear out from being carried around all all day. And you, certainly you will see people with old cell phones, people who are careful. But, uh, you know, it's it just, you know, too easy to, to upgrade. Much more so. And whether or not, even when it's $600, it's still not the $1,500 of upgrading a decent Mac. So, And remember, too, if you buy an iPhone, say for six fifty, every two years, or you finance it and you're paying the same price. It's just that it's divided over monthly payments just as you do with your credit card. 
But then at the end of two years, if it's in good condition, you could sell it for what, two or $250? Yeah. And then maybe use that as a down payment on your next iPhone? (laughs) It's one of those things where probably just depends on how serious you are about your phone. That there are people who just have one because they sort of need one and that's what you get. They have a few apps. But if you're the sort of person who is on your phone day in, day out, all the time, you're going to be much more interested in getting the latest thing because it will have something that will actually impact your life. And as you can see, uh, when you're out and about, there are people who just are on their phones all the time. They're going to be much more susceptible to the new feature, the bigger screen, you know, the smaller size, whatever it is that, that factor that they're looking for. And, you know, as it, and you really just can't eliminate the, the fact that these things are much, much uh, more fragile than a computer that sits quietly on your desk most of the time. So it's still two years, and then it's shot? I know my wife has a three-year-old iPhone 5C, but she doesn't it, use it that much. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't have to be two years, and you'll see people with you know three and four and five-year-old phones. The other thing to point out here is the fact that, in a sense now, manufacturers have divorced the price of the phone from the price of the service. And as a result, you see right. that after that two years or whatever period you agree to, paying a monthly fee. Once you pay it off, your bill goes down 30 bucks. Oh, wait a minute. This phone's working pretty good. It's not that bad. Got a few scratches. That's okay. But now my cell phone bill is less. Do I need to buy a new one? Is anything in there sufficiently compelling to upgrade? You never know. <laughs> it, it just depends on how much you use it. You know, when I, when I look at my 17-year-old son, for instance, he could not be without an iPhone. And it's not that he uses the phone. He never uses the phone. I mean, the phone is actually the least important part of a a smartphone for many people these days. But it is how he stays in touch with the world. And honestly, we wouldn't have him not have a smartphone because... That's how we figure out where we have to pick him up and, you know, what, what's happening with this meeting or that. You know, it's just too useful. But at the same time, you know, as a teenager, you know, these things do take a beating. You know, he tends to get the hand-me-down phones, and we always have hand-me-down phones because of what we do. But nonetheless, if that wasn't the case, then he'd be getting a new phone. Now, one article I saw in Max Surfers from The Motley Fool, they're saying services is where Apple's going to really be growing in the years to come. They'll sell plenty of hardware, but the real growth is going to be services based on the fact that it has expanded to a fair degree in the last couple of years. Yeah, services is actually quite interesting. I do think that it is an area where Apple is going to be doing better and better and better because this gets back to what we were talking about at the top with Apple doing things to lock people into its ecosystem. The more you're in the Apple ecosystem, the more it is that you're going to pay for Apple Music or you're going to download movies from iTunes or anything else along those lines, plus just more apps over time. And anything you do that hits a payment, um, Apple's going to take a cut on that. And they're going to be making money on you. And so I do think that the f- seeing the rise of the services category is, is a good uh, indication 
that uh, that Apple sees that as 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 somewhere to focus because they have what is it a, you know, a billion active devices now, and when you have a billion active devices, you start thinking about ways that you can make money from those users that are a bit different. You don't have to just sell them a new device. You can you know get a small amount of money because they pay for iCloud or they pay they use Apple Pay or they subscribe to Apple Music, whatever it is. So the issue being, even if they decide to buy into another platform, you got to go through all that drudgery again. You got to find the same apps. If those apps aren't free, you've got to pay for them all over again. You got to transfer your contact list. You got to go through a lot of nonsense. So it's not easy. Once you're in an ecosystem, if it's working even decently well for you, you're not so inclined to go away and go somewhere else. Yeah. Switching ecosystems is hard and getting harder. Again, the companies want that to be the case because they don't want to make it easy for you to switch. Whenever you're going to be using, whether it's Apple or Google or Amazon or Facebook or anything, the more they can get you tied into their services, tied into their products in a way that it would be awkward to switch the more they're going to do that. Adam Inks, please tell us where we find more of your stuff. If you go to tidbits.com, you can read our coverage of all of this kind of stuff as it happens. We have always have good coverage of the uh, Apple financials whenever those come out. If you go to www.takecontrolbooks, you can check out our, our books. We've got a, an interesting new one called Are Your Bits Flipped? which covers common tech misconceptions that people, frankly, often suffer from, and they do suffer from them. When you have a, t- a misconception, you can be doing things really, really wrong in a bad way. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. No worries. Thanks for having me. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Rick Osick, president of Famous Footwear. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Purchase a ProPure system during the Crazy May Sale and get a free ProMax shower filter or water filter pitcher. Remove up to 200 contaminants with the Pro1G 2.0 truly cleanable, reusable filter. We don't stretch our claims. We just deliver performance. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system, and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis 
purchase from ReputationDefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com today. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-682. 1682. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. just found out something kind of annoying with Skype. Not that it's annoying in other ways. Let me count the ways. But there was an update this week in which they supposedly fixed the way the automatic level works. Now, I don't use the automatic level because it messes with the settings of my outboard microphone and mixer. But they made this change. I ran the update and suddenly the volume is getting lower in my mixer. Isn't that weird? Like it's getting some kind of feedback. So I go into Skype preferences after reading about these changes and turned on the automatic level checkbox. So something that I turned off and always kept turned off, it turns on again against my wishes. Have you heard of anything like this, Rob? Actually, I have. (laughs) It's, yeah, some, some apps, some services, some sites, they take a little amount of sport in changing settings around behind your back. Think of like how you, if you tell Facebook to display newsfeed entries just in chronological order, it'll let you do that, but then it'll change it back for you at some unmentioned interval. I know this is done sometimes with Linux software, like we use Linux on our web server. 
And we have settings for different services that we use like PHP. And sometimes a system update blows up those settings that you've deliberately made to get the best service from your web server. Blows it up. Why? I don't know. Because... (laughs) Because reasons. Because reasons, like Microsoft does with Skype. Anyway, just to let you know, if you run into a weird problem with your input level, go back to Skype, look at your audio settings, and see if that checkbox is on or off, depending on your preferences. We like it off. We like full control. We don't want Skype to figure out how we set our volume levels. All right, let's move away from that. Now, there has been some kind of controversy over this trending setting the way it's set up at Facebook, where it kind of shows you what's happening in the news, I gather. And the complaint I heard was on one of those conservative TV cable networks, where I guess they're feeling that Facebook is altering the way they show news, the way that the news is presented to possibly advance a political agenda. Is that paranoia striking deep or what? Well, this all started, it actually started with not one, but two stories by Gizmodo, the tech news site. The first one, which you really should read both to sort of make the proper sense of how we got into this conversation. First one had quotes from a bunch of people who'd been hired as contractors to be news curators to populate the trending list, which again, this is not the news feed. You don't see that this is not what's staring you in the face when you log in. It's this list of three to five headlines you see in the top right corner, and which I have been ignoring for years because I don't care about celebrity gossip. And that's what all of it is half the time. Or it's, you know, here's a story about a horrible thing that happened to somebody, the kind of like TV evening news fair that I get enough of. I kind of go on Facebook to flee that, in fact, to actually hear from things my own friends have done. But anyways, first, Gizmodo's story points out that these people are incredibly overworked. It's a burnout-prone position. The the employees felt like they were just basically training Facebook's algorithm to do their jobs. And my goodness, how dispiriting. This, this shows you what Facebook thinks of the future of journalism. A few days later, they have a second story where they quote only two of these curators saying that they were told or felt pressured to suppress conservative news sites and, and sort of conservative story topics. And the quotes, other people, curators, all of whom were anonymous, I guess, because they probably all signed non-disclosure agreements to get these jobs, saying, no, we didn't see that. The, the other people did say, we saw some cases where we were pushed to uh, inject a topic into the trending list and also to sort of keep news about Facebook out of it. So, you know, we all want to think the game is fundamentally rigged topic is completely blown up. And here's what I've been able to determine. From Facebook's own testimony, starting with a long post by Tom Stocky, the social network's vice president of search, which was really their first public documentation of how training works at all. What they're trying to do is make this list A, coherent, and B, somewhat reality-based. So they have these curators who come in and look at what their algorithm surfaces as the trending topics and decide that, oh, you know, this search term and this one are actually about the same topic. Sure, makes sense to me. And they also want to make sure they're not cluttering people's news feeds with hoaxes, which, you know what? That's a really good idea. This is what I wrote about for Yahoo Finance. Facebook has a huge truth problem because the human beings on it share a lot of BS. And as someone who's in the business of facts, it sort of annoys me. And so I don't mind Facebook going out and trying to ensure that the stuff that they're putting up in this little trending list 
is not a bunch of hoaxes or junk news or just outright, you know, lies. Now, to make matters worse, I was looking over my Facebook page. I have a Gene Steinberg Facebook page, and we have a couple of different ones for Paracast fan clubs for our Paranormal Radio Show. And I saw no news updates presented. So possibly somewhere along the line, among the many arcane settings for Facebook, I didn't put this up. And now I'm happy about it. Yeah, there's so much mystery. You know, I've never had less understanding of how exactly Facebook works since setting up my own page. And I have no idea what's going to take off and get people talking. But anyway, what my thesis is, if if Facebook really is going to try to, uh, you know, make trending at least, you know, it, it can be vapid. It can be full of celebrity nonsense, but it should at least be, you know, stuff that actually happened, <laughs> not, you know, some crazy conspiracy theory. Well, then, yeah, some of the, you know, the the second Gizmodo story quoted one of these uh, news curators is saying news sites like the Drudge Report and Breitbart were getting suppressed. They, they weren't going to get shown as news sources in the trending list unless somebody else had covered what they've done. But, you know, and this is not going to make me any friends among some Republican friends of mine. Those are not the greatest news sources around. They've published a lot of garbage. I would be really hesitant to trust them as a primary source, given that they've made up a lot of stuff. They've, they, they ran up like Breitbart. They ran a story only two, three years ago saying that former Senator Chuck Hagel, the Republican in Nebraska, who later became Obama's defense secretary, had spoken before a group called Friends of Hamas. The, that was because somebody had made a joke, which this guy took as serious. Come on. So, yeah, if those sites want to be taken as, you know, I think at this point they have to earn their, their place in that list. There are lots of websites out there of varying degrees of credibility. So the point you're making here is not so much censoring news. It is, does the site have any reasonable reputation for credibility? Now, would that mean also that, say, Media Matters for America, which is a liberal think tank, would be excluded as well? Or are they vetting them more deeply than that? It's not liberal versus conservative. It's simply, you know, what's the record of accuracy? Since this came out, Facebook has finally decided, hey, perhaps we should document how this thing works. Crazy idea. And so what they have done is posted sort of general guidelines. They have a list of over a thousand newer sources that are eligible for inclusion. And it includes Breitbart and Drudge Report and a lot of other conservative news sites. Uh, it doesn't include TalkingPointsMemo.com, which is a pretty good news site that has reporters who do actual reporting. I'm not sure why they're in there. And other sites that mainly sort of aggregate news are. I didn't make up this list. Um, yeah, you know, there, there are lots of conservatively conservative-based sites that do, that get information, confirm that it's true, and then share it. And then there's other sites that just pass off whatever's around. Media Matters for America, I've seen what they do. They've done some media criticism. You know what point of view they're coming from. Same way, if you read National Review, there's not much doubt about what priorities they think are important and what sort of national problems we should all be tackling. We'll get into more of this, the trending section of Facebook being made a matter of controversy? Who could have thunk it? We've got Rob Pegarero. More to come 
on the, the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the conservative investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Suffering from illness or disease? Frequently in pain? Overstressed? Always tired? The solution is to oxygenate your cells because disease cannot survive in an oxygen-rich environment. Introducing Vital Ion, the first mineralized edible oxygen in the world. Go to toolsforfreedom.com and get the Miracle of Oxygenation DVD free with any Vital Ion purchase. Call 800-770-8802. That's 800-770-8802. Let Vital Ion edible oxygen be your daily fountain of youth. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issue and company and other factors. Not available in all states. 
We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So, in this hot button era, so much debate going on about politics, about political figures, about their leanings. We look into news sources and the degree to which Facebook is vetting those sources before presenting them. Now, one of the big arguments about coverage, about political coverage, is what is called false balance, where the lazy way out is to give two sides of a story equal weight, even though one of them is the moon is made of green cheese, to be blunt about it. Is that part of the issue? Yeah, you know, there's this whole sense, oh, if there's a disagreement, both sides must be equally valid. Well, no. Sometimes one part of the argument has no idea what they're talking about. And it's it's the news media's job to say, nope, that ain't the case. So there has to be a little bit of discretion there, because otherwise reporters would not be reporters, they'd be copying machines. Right. We're not stenographers. We're supposed to go out and get our own facts. And if it requires us to say that other people who are in the news have not been telling the truth, or at least have been saying things that we do not believe are true, we got to say so. So if you say 97% of climate scientists believe in man or human-made climate change, that's legitimate to mention in the context of a story where somebody says, there's no such thing or I'm not a scientist. Exactly. Yeah. You're not a scientist. That's okay. We have lots of people who are. They'd be, they'd be happy to tell you what they think. It's so unfortunate what's happened in this world. Do you think that's hurt journalism, that we've made it so easy for somebody to get up a site, put up a blog? Maybe it's the great equalizer, but it also means that people who don't know what they're doing are getting on there. So it's like podcasting. Anybody can be a podcaster. All you do is to record something create an RSS feed that Apple shows you how to do. And there are apps that actually do that almost automatically for you, like one we use called Feeder. And that way anybody can get up there. But obviously it doesn't guarantee you'll have an audience. It doesn't guarantee the quality. What happens is you compete in the world of ideas. And if you rise above the clutter, well, I guess you deserve it. But Apple isn't making a judgment so long as you meet their conditions and their terms they'll put you out there even if the show is absolute well we don't want to get into the word anyway Mm -hmm. so is there a resolution now to this facebook trending thing or is it too much ado about nothing i think it's kind of too much ado about nothing i mean i don't know how much topic the trending section actually draws uh i do know that i am much more concerned about issues like what things show up in the news feed which like certainly my sense, that's what I actually interact with. Uh, I hardly ever pay any attention to trending. On on their mobile apps, which is a huge part of the deal, 
that's basically buried. You don't see the trending list unless you select the search field. And then it shows below your more recent searches. You know, on the, on the most important part of Facebook, it's effectively buried. So I'm more concerned about what kind of shows up in the news feed. You know, Facebook's venture into creating its own publishing format, instant articles. They've, they've opened it up more than I thought they would. You know, they're letting publishers, they're, they're working with publishers to make sure that we can still sell ads and make money off those. That's nice. You know, what gets someone's page taken offline? There was a news story this morning, uh, Friday morning, about some UK publisher, which has published some volumes critical of the current government in Turkey that uh, their Facebook page got taken offline. It's not quite clear why. But I do know that the current leadership of Turkey is extremely thin-skinned about being called out for basically being a bunch of thin-skinned control freaks. So it, it invites speculation. And Facebook in general, I don't think they've – that they can't keep so many parts of their own workings a black box. You know, Google, Google's search algorithm is hugely influential, but – and, you know, they can't document every part of the recipe or they're going to get gamed by every con artist and scammer online. And but as a matter of fact, about- I think that happens anyways from time to time. People yes. make a good guess. I get offers every day. We can help get your site to page one on Google. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, other than improving the content, making the site more attractive, doing a lot of promotion – Right. Any scheme like that would have to be illegitimate because, it's again, it's gaming the system. You'd like to think that what you do gets attention because of its merits, not because you cheated. Would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, we don't want to get into that. Let's move away from the trending list from Facebook to Google I.O. It's kind of their equivalent of Apple's WWDC, where, yes. they, where they usually are going to introduce a new version of Android, another one that won't be installed on your Android handsets ever or on your new handset for another six or eight months. So yes, Google I.O. is happening next week in Mountain View, California, not San Francisco like usual. So it's gonna it's making a mess of everyone's logistics. Lyft and Uber are going to make a lot of money off of us. Yeah, the part of the mystery here is, is already out in the open. Google has released a couple of developer preview versions of the next N version of Android. I guess Nutella is the obvious dessert name to throw at it. So that's pretty much, that's an obvious focus. There's going to be a lot of introductions around virtual reality, either creating it or consuming it. You remember two years ago, Google introduced Cardboard, which is still the, the cheapest, easiest way to try out VR at Google I.O. We'll be seeing, you know, there's some discussion, will we see Chrome OS and Android merged? Don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. Now, let me um, ask you a quick question yeah. here. I haven't really used Chrome that much. Are there any similarities between the two in terms of interface? So if you merge them, don't you have to have one favor the other? Well, you know, Google has been trying to make Android better suited to larger screens. The next version has got support for more multitasking features. In this sense, uh, it looks like Samsung has been sort of a, a prototype lab for Google the past few years because they have added various multitasking features to their own version of Android. And now some of these things like the ability to have two apps on the screen at once, they're starting to show up, which is also something we've seen in iOS. So is there a wholesale merger? I mean, of course, we've heard people talk about possibly that happening with OS 10 and iOS, but even though features may be the same, 
across the platforms, the way you manage them and the interface can be very different. Not as much of a gap between Chrome OS and Android as there is between iOS and OS X. Both Chrome and Android don't really have a visible file system, although you can get at it with third-party apps. Um, you know, they're both heavily oriented towards, you know, the, the browser is the most important feature in both. In a lot of ways, Android lets you install apps, and Chrome OS only has a much more limited ability to do that. But, you know, when you look at, for instance, the actual experience of using Google Docs in offline mode in a Chromebooks browser is not super different from using the Google Docs app in Android. But it's very minimalist. And the question I have here is, supposedly there is a fair amount of educational presence for Chromebooks. Is it because it's a simple interface? Is it because it's just cheap and school systems don't have money? What is the reason? Uh, I think a lot of it is just ease of administration. This is something where you know everything is synced to the cloud in real time. So your setup process is typing in the, the account username and password. That's it. There's nothing to reinstall. Um, you know, they're very secure because they don't really run any software except what's already on them. Uh, you know, it's very easy to move people from, from an old laptop to a new one. A lot of the, the routine stuff that gums up a lot of computer upgrade projects isn't involved here. And you're, given you're basically that, putting everything in the cloud. Right. And, so and any client it, can access it. It's like a thin client then. Yeah. Yeah. And in in that context, it makes sense. I get it. Why would you spend for more than what you need? A lot of people, they spend their whole time on the web and maybe one or two apps. So I get the Chromebook value proposition. I've thought of buying one as a second laptop myself. So far, it hasn't been necessary. But who knows? You know, they're, they're so cheap, it becomes a, a purchase you can make without fretting too much. Now, that takes us to a couple of other possibilities here, and I want to get into the Apple-related one in a moment. But does the presence of Chromebook really hurt Windows? I would think that would be the one most impacted by that. No, I think that's kind of equal opportunity. You know, Windows and OS X, you are actually planning to run discrete apps that, you know, you need access to a real file system. You, you need these things that you can't get in a mobile-first platform well, you could, but you don't, you know, like iOS or uh, Chrome OS. So I don't see, you know, the, there's a little bit of competition in the sense that, oh, you know, you're moving from computer to computer is, is easier in Chrome OS. But if you look at Windows 10 now, you know, you sign in, you get your, a lot of your basic settings get brought right back over from one computer to the next. Let's go into That's more it. of this Chromebook, Windows, iOS, OS 10, whatever. With Rob Pecorero, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. 
DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a special version of the show that we offer under the Tech Night Owl Plus. Under Tech Night Owl Plus, you get a higher resolution copy free of network ads for a modest monthly, annual, five-year, or even a lifetime subscription package. To learn more, go to plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. And we're looking here at the forthcoming Google I.O. conference. And then briefly, we had a foray into Chrome OS and the Chromebooks and everything like that. But still, these are cheap products if you really want good quality. You're still going to have to pay a fair amount of money to get a notebook that has the a retina or HD display or something like that. Is that even available in Chromebooks? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the, the Chromebook Pixel, that's going back like two, three years, had a retina display. Beautiful, great piece of work. A little too spendy for me. Like, I was not going to spend a thousand bucks on something that only has web access. So, yeah, there's a lot of cheaper Chromebooks that have quality hardware, that they're not flimsy pieces of plastic, which I've tried some of those as well. And, you know, for 200 bucks, I could live with a flimsy piece of plastic. So I don't think there's a uh, Chromebooks are the, the cheapo computer. My headline, the first time I reviewed one and found it satisfactory, I think I called it enough of a computer. And for a lot of use cases, it is, you know, why go crazy trying to make sure that you have all these options that you're just not going to use and that do increase your, uh, your overall, I guess, your cognitive load, keeping keeping up to date with software patches, worrying about running out of storage or whatever. Chromebook, you, all those worries go away. So I, I get why people find that tempting. I assume also bandwidth requirements are not seriously severe since there's just a really limited cross-section of what you can do. Right. And again, that does describe a lot of people's daily habits. If you've got Wi-Fi at home and, and where you go, then... Sure, why not? You know, normal people are not necessarily going to be pounding away in their laptop all the time when they're on the train or the plane or whatever. They're just 
asleep or reading or watching a movie or whatever. Okay, Google I.O. Now, we're still seeing the same problem year after year with Android, which is that they come out with an update, and for the first year or so, the number of people who actually install that update is in the low or mid-single figures. They haven't figured a way to deploy it to a wide number of users, and they keep saying they will. So what's going on there? I don't know. I want to see a good answer about that as well. I mean, my own solution has been, and I think this is a good idea on multiple levels, stop buying phones from the carriers. You don't have to. It will not cost you anything extra. It will cost you exactly the same at Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. And in fact, it will save you money if you already have a phone at AT AT&T and Verizon. You get hit with an upgrade, a device upgrade fee if you buy a new phone from either of those carriers. If you bring your own and you just move the service over, that's free. And that way, the carrier, which they seem to love taking their time testing software updates, even though the manufacturers already test them as well. People have been using, bringing their own devices to networks for years. I've yet to see any confirmed case of some service outage being caused because somebody put a SIM card into a phone they bought off eBay or direct from a manufacturer. You know, buy directly, buy it from Google. You can buy a phone directly from Samsung if you want. Buy it unlocked, use it with whoever you want. And that way, one of those big holdups goes away. Now, if you buy a Google Nexus device running the pure, unadulterated version of Android, do you then stand a pretty good chance of getting those updates pretty quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a Nexus 5X. Yeah, there's been, you know, it's not, there's always some lag time in the update being shipped and it being available. We're talking like days, maybe a couple of weeks. I'm trying to remember like when the last major update, or maybe it was just a maintenance update, whether it shipped for the Nexus 6P before the 5X or the 5 before the 5X, don't remember. But anyways, it was not something I worried about because I I didn't have to worry about it. Okay, but still, most people buy their phones through the traditional process, going through the carrier, going to a store, a Best Buy or something, and signing up. That means that Google still has a problem. All we're doing is working around it, buy from the carrier, buy a Google Nexus device. Does Google have a solution to fix this dilemma? Or is this just the way it is with Android? Don't know. It's, you know, they've tried to make it easier to deploy updates. They've they've had the next version of Android out in preview form for so long, in part to sort of give everybody a lot of time to make sure their own apps work fine with it so that manufacturers can test it on their own phones. Yeah, it's a problem for the industry. Uh, on the other hand, you know, there are real issues. Uh, the, I know the feds are taking a look at this. They want to know why some of these updates can be held up so long. Um, on the other hand, we have not seen, you know, widespread attacks on phones the way I really thought we would have by now. And I think part of that is because in the Android universe, if you only install your software off the Play Store, which is the only way you're going to do it by default, it's really, really hard to pick up anything bad that way. Your, your odds are scarcely higher than they are with the App Store because Google, they scan for malware. They actually have humans checking out each new submission. I don't know how well they can how they can do this at scale, but they've been doing it for a while. They didn't even tell people when they started doing it. It seems to work. So, you know, the risk is theoretically there, but I think all of us are living with a much bigger risk with regulation desktops and laptops that they have a more of an attack surface exposed. 
All right, so looking at possibly the next version of Android, what do you think we're going to see? Well, it's it's been out a little while. Uh, the uh, previews, there's been basically tweaks to sort of make multitasking easier to have more than one app visible on the screen at once, which is a good idea. It's worth doing. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other highlights. There's kind of a grab bag of things. It's not like they have a huge problem to solve with this. You know, the basic look of Android has been fixed for a couple of years now. So it's more things like, can you extend battery life further? And that's where the last version, Marshmallow, added this doze feature where if you just leave the phone on a desk, that's going to increase its battery life because the phone is going to know it's not being used. It's inert and it can pause a lot of things. So that's a really good idea. Um, More battery life would always be better. Part of that is out of Google's control because phone manufacturers want to have things be as thin and light as possible. You know, we'll see. There's always some surprises. I assume they're going to have something new to show us in Mountain View at the the Shoreline Amphitheater, the concert venue there, which I've never actually been to before. Gives you something to look forward to. Right. But it's reaching a point here where Android iOS, the fundamental features are pretty much what most people need or care about. And the smartphones get faster every year. So unless the old unit is really old, long in the tooth, not performing well, banged up. Yeah. How much of an incentive anymore is there to upgrade? Not so much. I mean, you, you shouldn't go crazy about wanting to update your phone every every year. It's a waste of money. You're not getting a whole lot. I mean, when Apple had their soft earnings quarter where they still made a ridiculous amount of money, people were acting like this is some huge setback. No. You know, if you yourself haven't been rushing to the Apple store to buy a new iPhone and, and you're an average consumer, then there's probably a lot more people thinking along the same lines. And yeah, why why would you? No, I mean, like I have an iPad Mini 4. I'm not going to get an iPad Mini 5 whenever it is. It would have to be have some amazing combination of features for me to be tempted. So, of course, now they're saying some rumor sites, oh, the iPhone 7 will be an epic fail. And I don't know what it's going to be. But the iPhone 6S had stuff there that I didn't even consider. Oh, 3D touch. Oh, live picture. Well, I can take 4K videos. I guess I have a need for that. No, I don't. I don't even have a 4K TV set. So I was asking that question. And we can see part of the problem there. And in our next segment, though, what I want to do is look at another issue facing Apple, which is Macs. The fact that Mac sales are down. Does Apple need to do something drastic to redesign the existing models? We'll see. We've got Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey there, Night Owl listeners. Are you frustrated by all those passwords you need to remember? Do you use the same password for multiple sites? Well, now there's a better way. RoboForm, an award-winning password manager that makes your life easier and more secure. With RoboForm, you'll never need to remember or type your passwords again. It's easy to use. It's completely secure. And best of all, listeners, you can use it free. Just go to RoboForm.com tech. That's RoboForm.com tech. 
tech. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
So we look over here at Max. Max sales were down in the double digits. I think IDC and Gartner predicted pretty flat sales, but that was it. So Apple did worse than predicted. Is it because Apple's not doing enough to revise the existing models? Because so far, except for the MacBook, which didn't exist until last year, in recent years, well, you get a little faster processor and maybe the solid-state drive controller is faster, that sort of thing. But as a practical matter, from year to year, it doesn't mean much. I'm living proof. I'm speaking to you through an iMac that is now very old. But what am I going to replace it with? You know, Apple is just not... (laughs) You know, they did update the iMac last year, so at least it's it's not completely obsolete. But yeah, it, it's clearly due to have some kind of new revision. And so I'm totally motivated to not bother. Plus, it keeps working. You know, I guess they did too good of a job. They, uh, you know, I've got a MacBook Air to my right. And again, that's another model that has gone quite a while without an update. Meanwhile, companies like Dell, HP, they seem to have no problem keeping shipping new laptops with the latest Intel chips. Uh, in the case of laptops as well, my other issue is, you know, I, I do not need to have another laptop with a proprietary charger because I had to replace mine last spring. Obviously, there's going to be some new lightweight MacBook that will have not just one USB-C port, but two. So you can charge it and plug in another device. And I don't want to buy a new laptop until I can get that feature. Uh, in other respects, I just see Apple like, like I've been spending some time playing around with the Surface Pro 4 from Microsoft. And that's it's a nice piece of work, you know, and, and it's it takes advantage of the fact that it is partially a mobile device. So it has a touch screen. You can use a stylus as well, although it's not necessary for a lot of basic navigation. It, it will unlock the screen when it recognizes your face, you know, maybe not completely secure, but it's an option. With Apple, it's, it's like the people who design the laptops don't actually use any of their mobile devices that do things like you can unlock it with your fingerprint and you have all these other ways that mean you're not stuck typing in the same password over and over and over. You see, I wonder about that too, why we don't have Touch ID for an Apple notebook. And I realize, yes, there's a cost involved there, but Apple makes humongous profits, so I don't care. Yes. But I wouldn't think that, you know, having a little place to put the finger next to the trackpad or something, to the right of it or left of it or whatever it is, to get started. That ought to say a lot. And why doesn't Apple do that? I don't know if the public clamors for that. I guess the enterprise might appreciate it. Well, I mean, it's funny because for years, Windows laptops have been shipping with fingerprint scanners, but no one really used them. It took Apple to popularize the concept with Touch ID on a device where you do need to lock and unlock it so much more often because it's easy to lose or have it be stolen but they've never brought it to their desktops or their laptops and yeah i guess probably you might need some separate fingerprint scanning area because the touchpad itself is too big the whole thing can't incorporate a fingerprint scanner that'd be expensive i don't know you know i mean the the service pro 4 itself does not it doesn't detect my fingerprint but it does know my face and so you know, I might turn that feature off were I to, uh, you know, take this on a trip someplace. But for, you know, at home, yeah, I like the fact that it knows it's me and I don't have to bother typing in my password or my PIN or whatever. Okay, Apple could do that. Yeah, Isn't and it mostly I mean, software because you have the camera 
and you have the circuitry behind it. So what does Apple have to do to add facial recognition? I mean, you already have that in the Photos app. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would like them to do that. Honestly, I would be I would be happier if they would first, I don't know, you know, maybe just get a currently shipping Intel chip in more than one of their computers. Um, you know, everyone seems to not like the default configuration of the, the hard drive on the iMac because it's a cheapo configuration at the entry level. Um, what else? Yeah, USB-C on, on the MacBook. The Mac Mini, still a useful computer, but now it's horribly obsolete again. And uh, the Mac Pro, you know, I hear people spend a lot of money on those things, and that thing has been completely gathering dust. Now, one of our regular guests, Kirk McElhern, sold his Mac Pro. He's a great guy. He sold his Mac Pro on eBay after going to one of the 5K iMacs. He said that it was really hard to get a high price for it. There's not a lot of demand on eBay for Mac Pros. This is the newer one, the circular trash can or whatever you want to call it. Yes, the glorified trash can. The glorified expensive trash can. That seems rather unfortunate that I guess people don't really care. Apple made a decision there that may have made sense to them in doing it, throwing out everything that people liked about the Mac Pro. And now the demand isn't there. So does Apple discontinue it? Or do they do a very simple inline upgrade, which is let's get the latest Xeon chips in there. Let's get a better solid-state drive controller. Let's get in better graphics chips, a cheap update. They haven't even done that. One would think. But getting back to the refreshes. So you think Apple should be doing a lot more in updating it, maybe even a Retina Display MacBook Air? I don't know. Like Retina to me is not the most important thing on a device like a laptop, a non-touchscreen laptop, like on the Surface Pro 4, not to return to this thing again. But yeah, this is it, it functions as a tablet, so you are going to use it from up close. Laptop, desktop, you've got a certain amount of distance. So like I am not willing to pay a whole lot extra for a Retina display. Not super interested in seeing it come at the cost of battery life. Well, if they can do that with minimal loss, keep decent battery life, not make the price too high. It would be a nice gee whiz feature for people. But would Apple ever, ever consider having a touchscreen on a Mac? I mean, obviously the technology is there, but Apple has been giving us the toaster oven refrigerator argument. Is it time for that to change? You know, I don't know. It it is something you need to think through at multiple levels. You look at the first convertible PCs running Windows, or Windows 8 itself, where part of it was really well optimized for touchscreen operation, much of the rest was not. And I guess that is one reason why, you know, you have this pen that comes with the service tablet so you can deal with those finer parts of the UI. But for certain cases, even in Windows 8, I thought the the start screen was a good idea. Sometimes you just want to like read the web or you want to watch a movie or listen to music. Like I thought of that as the uh, economy class version where you want to have the laptop keyboard stowed away you just need a screen that was a good solution for that for that use case so you know apple is sort of standing very much alone in that respect they're also not doing anything like the various kind of funky folding convertible laptops you have from lenovo and dell where you can have it be a laptop with a keyboard like usual 
flip it 180 degrees around so it's sort of in a tent mode with the screen facing out and the laptop and the keyboard on the other side uh, where it's running as just a plain old tablet. Uh, and Apple's not doing anything like that. And I think that's, it's funny. Before we yep. get too funny with Rob Pegarero, let's do our break. This is the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Purchase a ProPure system during the Crazy May Sale and get a free ProMax shower filter or water filter pitcher. Remove up to 200 contaminants with the Pro1G 2.0 truly cleanable, reusable filter. We don't stretch our claims. We just deliver performance. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillard.com. All right, listen up, because this is the most important thing you're going to hear all day. What if I said you could make money flipping houses without any cash, credit, or manual labor? And what if I said you could do it part-time from the comfort of your home? Sound unflippin' believable? Hi, I'm Preston Neely, and I'm going to prove it by sending you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It sells online for $19.95, but I'm giving away free copies this week. To get one before they're gone, call 1-800-959-9582. I used to be so broke, I had my electricity shut off nine times. But I figured out a simple way to make money flipping houses without even breaking a sweat. Now I'm living the good life, and so should you. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. Hands down, it's the fastest, easiest way to get started in real estate. Let me prove it. Call right now to find out how to get your free book. When they're gone, they're gone. Call 1-800-959-9582. 1-800-959-9582. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that? 
that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Pegarero, we're discussing things that Apple might do to boost sales. Make their products more compelling. Mac's not getting the attention. Was the MacBook a misfire? I kind of think it is really an ideal notebook for a lot of people who don't care about hooking up external devices except for limited periods. So therefore, it doesn't matter that you can't charge and plug in an external drive at the same time without a separate dongle or something. And it has enough power for most purposes isn't that the kind of thing, because it's so light and so slim, that works for most people on the road? There definitely are people for whom the MacBook is a good fit. I just know I'm not one of them. And I realize that I'm not normal, and I don't try to pretend that what I should buy is what everybody else should buy. You know, I think the MacBook has gotten better. But again, this is a case where they took so long to ship the, the minor revision to it that came out just a few weeks ago. And yeah, the, in the second version, like I was kind of hoping the second version would maybe have an extra USB-C port. So you could plug in another one. You know, there's definitely such a thing as prioritizing thinness to a pointless degree. You know, you're still talking about something that has a large glass screen. It's going to have a certain amount of heft to it no matter what. You might as well, you know, try to make it a little more useful. Do you think they're trying to move slowly in that direction with the iPad Pro? Especially the larger version where because of the smart connector, it becomes kind of a faux Notebook. I say faux because on your lap it's rickety and the smart keyboard basically sucks. <laughs> I, I should be getting some quality time with one of those soon. Yeah, the iPad Pro, that's kind of a funny, again, That's that doesn't appeal to me either because that is, your, once you, you invest in the smart pen and the, the keyboard, you're spending close to the price of a laptop, but it is a more lockdown device. You know, for basic stuff, a lot of the things I do, it's it's not such a great fit. Uh, the smaller version, the 9.7 inch, I don't know. My tablet, my daily tablet is an iPad Mini 4, which is really lightweight, compact, great for reading a lot of stuff. Not great for doing a whole lot of work, but that's why most of the time I'm taking my MacBook Air. There are some times where I just need to take notes at a panel or something. I'll take the I'll take the iPad. You know, Evernote on that works fine. No real complaints. But... Yeah, I guess you could think of the iPad Pro as Apple's answer to a convertible PC, but it's not running a, I don't want to say a desktop OS, but 
a conventional install your own apps kind of OS. And that's a big difference. Well, to me, I kind of liked it if we had a decent keyboard. The problem I had with the iPad Pro, even the larger version, is I can't do what I do right now. I don't have the audio capture app. Right. I, d- I don't have the full control of the file system, so my assets... And you're never no, going to get that in iOS. No, I'm not. I think, however, they can make some movements in that direction by just loosening the requirements for sandboxing to let one app capture audio from others and have some centralized asset section, kind of like you have an iMovie. Set up your audio assets and set up a way that regardless of the app you're using, you're able to get at them. It's not a full file system. It's a limited file system, but it may be enough. Right. Would be nice to see that. I just don't, you know, Apple, they really, you know, they just don't relent on a whole lot of things. You know, the the Mac App Store, they're not going any easier on sandboxing, even though like a lot of people are now just fleeing it because it's just not worth it. You know, yeah, you can get more people to buy your app, but you're losing 30% and you, you you have to wait for features to get reviewed, for updates to get reviewed by the, the team. Uh, you know, search and discoverability in the App Store is terrible. So, yeah. But I don't think Apple is stupid. And I think at some point in time, they're going to look at this and say, you know, wait a minute here. We need to make a few changes, such as now I understand they've found ways to make the review process. Yeah, work Bloomberg back. started the other day, said sure. they, um, yeah, they were trying to make that uh, cut down on the time, which, if they can do it, is, is going to mean that they're going to have to be spending a lot of money on more reviewers working longer hours. Because it's not like the the number of people submitting apps has gone down at all. I feel great sympathy for Apple and the expense of doing that. Yeah. All right, so what? But I also think here (laughs) that they can address some of these other problems, the sandboxing limitations, the lack of the ability to have a demo version, the inability for software publishers to sell lower price upgrades to existing users, kind of like an in-app purchase where you want to get version 1.5. You don't buy a brand new app for $13. You get the update for $6.5 because you already have the app. It's like an in-app purchase. That's stuff I think that would be child's play for Apple to add that. Yeah, well, a lot of people have spent a lot of time waiting for Apple to fulfill what seems like obvious uh, feature wish list requests. Right, but now Apple's under pressure. Profits are sales. Still giant. (laughs) Still giant profits, still giant sales, but it's lower giant sales. And therefore, Apple ought to consider what are they doing next? Okay, you push services. That's one thing. But the other thing is here, if you make it easier for people to buy more apps, that helps the publisher, that helps Apple because you're getting their 30%. It's got to mean something. Anyway, we don't expect a solution, but maybe at WWDC, we'll see something, a surprise from Apple that we did not anticipate. Let's move to other subjects. And one of which is, This was some time back where I guess what is the first situation involving ransomware for the Mac occurred. A few weeks ago. Right. Now, so are things going to get worse? We got one. There are going to be many? Probably. You know, it's a sign of uh, the times, I guess. You know, you've really arrived when your, your platform gets targeted by malware authors. 
Um, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's it, as a, as a business model, it clearly works. You know, I, I find it incredibly obnoxious to hijack someone's data. That's just, yeah, if you're going to hell for that, but sure, there's a vulnerability in iOS, in iOS 10, they're going to go after it. If they can find one in iOS, they will as well. Not a surprise. If anything, I'm surprised it took this long. So what happens next? Hopefully a lot more people uninstall the Flash plugin, which does nothing good and is often a, a an attack service for this kind of thing. All right. You know, it's because in, in OS ten in Windows, the way they work now, you know, pretty much if you're patched, some kind of malware is going to have to get you to authorize its own installation, whether it's saying, oh, you need this browser plugin to play this this video clip you're trying to view or, you know, whatever it is you're trying to get after. Uh, and, you know, if the app can convince you to enter your admin password, then game over. Anything could happen at that point. So... And there, there really is no good fix. Like Apple could theoretically solve that by making everyone install their software through the App Store, but I think users and developers would revolt over that as as well. They should. But we already have a lockdown platform like that. Besides, so, how would people even get Adobe InDesign or Quark Express? Right. Yeah. Sandboxing ensures that there's a lot of apps that can't be distributed through the Mac App Store. So, I mean. I'm more worried about ransomware in a business, enterprise, institution context where people have all kinds of older software running because whatever reason, the developer can't update it. There's some other weird requirement that keeps them on an older version of Windows. And, you know, in those kind of settings, if you can affect one computer on the network, you can get everything else and it scales pretty effectively. And that's also getting one person to upgrade to the current version of OS 10 or windows, not that bad. Can you get an organization that's held off for years to do that for 500 seats, a thousand? I would rather not have to make that sales call myself. Thank heavens. You do not. We have to tell you, we've got one more segment with Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the tech night out live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. 
Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Would you like to receive 250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the conservative investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. All right. So much for ransomware. Goodbye, ransomware. Okay. So at the end of July, the free period to upgrade to Windows 10 expires. After which, what, the starting price would be $119? So does Microsoft extend that? What can they do to get you to upgrade? There's going to be some kind of major update to Windows 10 that those of us who are getting the technical preview are getting to see already. 
But right. is that going to be enough to get people to rush an upgrade, especially if they're starting to charge for something that they were offering free for a year? Yeah, I don't know. If you weren't willing to install Windows 10 when it was free, I'm, I'm starting to think like you're going to just going to stay on Windows 8 or Windows 7 or God forbid Vista for until you buy a new computer, which is what a lot of people do. Well, if you buy a new computer, you get the new operating system, but... What incentive is there to buy a new PC either? Those things hold on pretty well. Well, hopefully, if you are, in fact, still running Windows Vista, the incentive will be the computer will die because you know these things do not last forever. All right. And we're talking about an operating system there. It goes back quite a few years. I'm yeah. speaking of the three, four, five-year-old PC. Yeah. Maybe they're running Windows 7 and it's working fine and performance is good. Why do I want one of those newfangled PCs anyway? I think the fact that Windows 10 looks so materially different from Windows 7, that's going to hold back people a little bit. You know, that's understandable. Okay, is that it? Because supposedly the big thing about Windows 10 was to restore a proper start menu, which I guess is a proper start menu. Yeah, it does a good job. I like that much better than the old start menu. Okay, so it is a better start menu. I agree with you. I'm firing it up right now under Parallels Desktop on my Mac. The Windows 10 technical preview. So I get to see the version... It's very close to what you're going to see when July rolls around. But still, is there evidence at all that Windows 10 has inspired people to upgrade their PC boxes? Hmm. That I've not seen. That's a good question. You know, my own advice has been, you know, you're on Windows 8, go to Windows 10 immediately. There's no good reason to stick around. It's, it's just a much better product overall. Especially but- here we're talking about, well, there's no price of admission right now. You can get the thing free for a little bit longer. You might as well. What do you have to lose? Most of the major bugs are out of it. It's pretty stable now for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good OS. It's fun using uh, the, the mail client for Windows 10, using that with a Gmail account. You know, I realize Gmail's IMAP is not quite like standard, but you know what works so much better in Windows 10 than a mail for OS 10, where you delete a message and then it reappears back in your mailbox for a second and then it gets swept out once again. Like Rob, I don't see that problem with mail in my Gmail account. Not at all. It seems hmm. to work fairly well. Uh, I've, I've been using, you know, the, this, I've actually had to reset up this a while back because it got, some guy corrupted with the, the, the cache of mail on the desktop. Yeah, you, you delete a message or remove a message. This is with a Google Apps account, you know, the personal domain, but it's still Gmail underneath. You, uh, I delete a message or move it from my inbox to another folder, and it vanishes. Then it reappears for a second, which if you've done, if you've blocked, deleted, or blocked, moved five or ten messages at once, it's really distracting. And then a second later, they vanish again right out of the inbox. And you see this both on my iMac and on my MacBook Air. Now, maybe, just maybe here, it's an issue if you're using Google Apps, if you're just using straight Gmail. Right. It's it's the same, uh, the exact same server addresses and whatnot you'd get otherwise. So it can, I have no idea what's going on there. I wish I did. Well, I know that, as you say, Gmail can be flaky. Now, one of the things that I've encountered, and I use Gmail for this since it seems to work well enough, I have an AOL email account. It's one of those AOL names that has no numbers or letters after it. It's just a pure name. 
going back to the late 1980s. Wow, so I've kept it. And people know from what I'm saying what it is, all right? I'm not going to say. Because I get enough spam, as it is. So I wanted to be able to do an auto-forward from AOL to maybe my iCloud account or my Gmail account. Yeah. According to AOL, you can't do it. What I am doing, what I've done instead, is to set Gmail online to receive the AOL email, which therefore ends up in its inbox, and therefore on a desktop client, I get to see it. Kind of a convoluted backwards method. Because AOL is still doing this stuff, and they still haven't really hit the 21st century yet. I still Mm -hmm. think that they expect that most of the people they're dealing with are actually paying by the month. Even when the account, the email account is free, you only need that if you're in one of those places out of the woods somewhere where you need dial-up and you're not near a satellite or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have, well, I might still have an AOL account. I don't really know. I haven't logged in in a very long time. If somebody's hacked into it, I really do hope they let me know. As a matter of fact, they'll send you an email. I will look for that. Oh, well. I don't know. I, I just think here that I was in the earlier segment with Adam Inkst ranting about installing WhatsApp for the first time on my Mac, which therefore has to be used to link to the iPhone version or the Android version. Oh, and I hear the new Mac use, app is terrible. You need to link it using this GC code where you stick your iPhone camera up to the screen on your Mac to pick up the code to link it to the copy that's on your iPhone. Why? Because it's kind of like continuity, but a proprietary version mm. where... It's a client that's syncing with the version on your iPhone to actually send and receive messages. Yeah, like I, I read some initial recaps of the WhatsApp app, and it, among other problems, is not like a real app. So, yeah, it's just it, it's a messaging platform. So I'm happy to have it on my phone and nowhere else. <laughs> well, my son Grayson says he uses it because he uses those apps, but in his experience, the problem is that. It uses a lot of data, and it cuts down on battery life. It's a very resource-heavy app. That's his problem mm. with it. Are you aware yeah. of such a thing? I have not spent a whole lot of time in WhatsApp. Like, I used it briefly on one or two foreign trips. Haven't really touched it since, but that's, like, how an American. We, we have texting free. There isn't a whole lot of reason to need to use a third-party app. Plus, I already I do enough texting through my Google Voice number, and that does work on any device I have. Fortunately, I don't need to install some app to use it on the desktop. I can just use Chrome, the Chrome browser for that. Multiple chatting apps drive me crazy, but I don't know. Facebook messages, Twitter direct messages. Uh, you know, how many different ways do you need to ping me in real time? Don't ping him. Leave mm-hmm. him alone. Let him have some relaxation. He deserves it. Rob Peguerero, please tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff that you do. And you can find me on the web at robpegarero.com. On Twitter, I'm at Rob Pegarero. Uh You can find me at, I write for Yahoo Tech and Yahoo Finance these, these days, USA Today, The Wirecutter, and various other clients as they come up. If they pay him. That's very, the big part. Very big part. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook. He's the guy 
who happens to have a red plaid shirt from many years ago. If you find him online, more than likely he's me. We've got a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. This week we feature author Preston Dennett, who wrote a book of essays called Not From Here, about UFOs from there. We also talk about the latest news from The New York Times about Hillary Clinton's interest in UFOs, Paracast.com. We only need to tell you one more thing, and that's we have a special feature of the Tech Night Owl Live called Tech Night Owl Plus. We offer a version of the show with better quality audio, free of ads. All the network ads are gone. And you can get that for a low subscription rate. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.